Hello and welcome to the Ark & Co podcast. My name is Matthew Yassin, a director in the Structured Finance team. Hello, I'm Andrew Robinson. I'm CEO of Ark & Co. The team here at Ark & Co thought we'd put together a podcast to illustrate the thoughts and feelings that are going through the commercial finance world today. What we'd like to achieve is get to understand better some industry figureheads and get to know their journey that they've been on over the last 10 to 15 years. And secondly, we'd like to understand where the industry is going in education of the next generation in the financial services sector. And conclusively, we'd like you to rate, review and subscribe and tell all your colleagues as this will help us spread the message that we want and educate others. And most important of all, please enjoy listening to Andrew and I talk about the financial world. Today is the first of a two-part series with John Salisbury from Autos Secured Finance. Uh, I'm joined here today by John Salisbury, who's Managing Director of Autos Secured Finance. Uh, welcome to the Ark & Co podcast, John. Thank you very much, Andrew. Uh, the idea about today is um, letting our audience know and understand your journey and uh, where you started off and how you managed uh, to get Autos to where it is today. Uh, so starting right at the start, where did it all uh, start from? Well, it started off um, when I was accepted onto the Bank of Scotland Graduate Scheme in 1999. And the only reason I applied for that graduate scheme was because I knew they were offering jobs before your degree came out. That's a bit and risky, isn't it? A bit <laughs> risky on their part. They didn't seem particularly interested. So I had a history degree that I was hoping I'd get a 2-2, but there was every chance I'd get a third. <laughs> and I knew that if I didn't get offered a job before my degree came out, then my degree would then become relevant. And at that point, I might be in a bit of trouble. So I was applying for, for jobs quite hard in my final year of university. And I think if you try hard enough at something and you're sufficiently motivated, you generally get there. And I got offered a couple of bank graduate schemes. And it was, we, we caught the end of an era where A, you're able to go to university and come out without any debt. So a lot of people were able to do that. As long as your parents could pay your rent and you got a job in the summer, uh, you could come out without any any debt, so you can enjoy yourself for three years. I, I was the guinea pig, yeah. I, I, you? yeah you were I went, the first one where you had to play the tuition fee. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. My, my old man said, you're on your own. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably why you got to where you are. <laughs> no, I um, don't know. But, but the, 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 for me, to come out with a, with, with a, with a, with a, a history degree from Southampton that, that, that wasn't at a great level and to get onto a bank graduate scheme isn't something that would happen today. And I, I think I was mindful of that, uh, how lucky I was even at the time. And once you were on that graduate scheme, as long as you didn't screw it up, you, you stood to have a decent career. And, but I was very, I think, mindful even then that I wasn't bringing anything to Bank of Scotland. Their view of me was somewhat higher, I think, than my view of myself. I was very mindful of, of the fact that I, I, I didn't know anything about banking. Yeah, I could perform at an assessment centre, um, and that's how I'd got the job. Um, and I could, I could talk, but I couldn't really do anything. I had zero technical knowledge. And um, I had no experience. And I think at that point, me making that call um, probably set the scene for a, for, for a theme that's followed me throughout my career, which is being really realistic about what you are and what you can do and trying to be useful in, in a way that, that, um, you know, that actually helps people. So rather than sit there saying, well, I'm entitled because I'm a graduate and, and you're not, um, look at that person and say, well, we might be the same age and I might be a graduate, but um, they, they've got three years of actual banking experience, so I should probably be quiet and, and make the tea and, and, and try and help in other ways. So... 
Um, well, I've just made the tea now. You've just made the tea now. I was quite surprised. I thought you were better than that, Andrew. No, um, never forget but, where you came from. <laughs> exactly. Um, so on the graduate scheme at Bank of Scotland, I, I was able to build relationships because I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say there were no other graduates that, that had that approach, but I know there were a lot that, that didn't have that approach. And um, I was able to build relationships with people um, who, who I knew could help me, um, including one person called Ian Stewart, who was a head of private banking at Bank of Scotland at the time, who... Um, I remember Ian, isn't he kind of uh, a portly guy, looks a bit like Father Christmas, is that right? <laughs> he, 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 I, I, I can't answer that, you know I can't, because uh, I he might be listening. I think, <laughs> I think um, he introduced me to Rusty Nails, that's a different, <laughs> yeah, exactly. different conversation. Different conversation, but he, 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 was, um, he was really my mentor for, for, for years to come after that. And I think it was back in, the, in, in a day where I suppose people still want those characteristics in, in a young employee. And I think he saw those characteristics and thought, I can, I, can, I, can, I can use this guy. So I was very fortunate. So on the one hand, I'm proud that I called that right. And the, the, the characteristics I showed then were ones that I, I value in, in young employees now. Um, but I was also very fortunate to, to meet people at, at Bank of Scotland that, that valued that. And how many years in that scheme? Did you see it all through, the grad no, scheme? I, I, saw, I saw the graduate scheme through, but then, of course, I, was, I also had um, and still have quite a quiet but very, very intense ambition um, to be better than, than I am and to be better than, um, than people expect me to be. And um, that, that drove me then. And it was one of the reasons I wanted to go to London is that I'd, I, I, was, I, was, I was from Cambridge. I was from a, you know, a, a countryside area. I'd, I'd gone to Southampton for university. I wanted to go to the bright lights of London. And that, that's why I, I picked the Bank of Scotland scheme over the other ones I was offered because they were offering me central London. And I wanted to get out of Bank of Scotland as well because I felt it was too big, it was too boring, um, and and maybe the, maybe there was a, a certain arrogance that that, that I tried not to show, but but I felt. And Ian, well, maybe confidence, maybe confidence, yeah. yeah but but Ian um, Ian had by that time been headhunted to set up a private banking division at Singer and Friedlander. And I think I was probably his 47th phone call to have somebody um, come over and help him. And he must have been fairly desperate by then. But, <laughs> I, but I got a call from him that he, he very kindly dressed up as a, as a headhunt. And it, it wasn't. I think it was just a case of I need somebody here um, to help me. And, um, and, and this guy will, will follow me. And I did. And I joined um, him um, while he set up and I helped uh, a private banking division at Singer and Freelander. Um, well, we stayed for two years. We um, brought in to the, to the business a, quite a, um, a well-known expatriate mortgage team from Fleet Boston who were moving out of the UK at the time. And it was a really exciting, it was a really exciting time. You never knew what you were going to be doing. And I think that the, the thing that I, I learned then was that you had to be able to dip between different tasks. If you're going to do something where you're building something, you have to be a jack of all trades. So on the one point, you've got to be able to work on the brochure design, um, picking the images and, and writing flowery language. Um, on the other hand, you've got to speak to the client that's not paid his interest. And, and having that breadth of skill, when you're young, you just figure you can do it. You don't sit there and go, well, that's not what I do. But you you do what you're bank, told. Being, uh, being part of a bank, this may differ from a Bank of Scotland into uh, the Calfing Singer Freelander days, is um, didn't you have the marketing teams? Didn't you have the whole structure around you? Or did you, Calfing, uh, uh, did you just have to say, look, this is a blank sheet of paper, I'm going to create it? Yeah, you, what you had was... Um, we had marketing teams and we had, we had um, resources, but we weren't really important enough to merit their time. If we wanted to get something done, we generally 
did it ourselves. And I think that Ian had a very clear vision of, of what um, he wanted done. And as far as he was concerned, I, I want a brochure done. I want an event organized. Um, I want this letter written. He didn't really care about how it was done. And what I learned then was the quickest way of doing it was to just to, to, just to do it myself and, and, and to show him that I could and to be useful. I don't think he would have taken kindly to me saying, well, I'm waiting on the person from marketing. Um, and you, you've met him. Um, and I think I would have got some, you know, fairly, fairly, fairly short shrift if I'd said that. So I learned, I learned, I learned to get stuff done. Um, I think that with the um, with with the singer and Friedland away too, you, you were you were given access to to people that in a big bank you you might not get access to. So you'd go into um, you'd go into credit committee where the head of banking and the and 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 the head of credit would be sitting there, and you'd be told to stand up and talk about your loan that you'd you'd, you'd brought in. And um, I remember um, very early on going into a, to to a to a um, to a credit committee and. Um, Firstly, the, the, the guys who, who worked in other departments had told me that you had to stand up to present your um, credit committee paper, um, which wasn't true. So I started off looking like a total Probably idiot. got a bit nervous. Yeah, stand, standing <laughs> up at the table. But then the other, um, the, the other, the, the other thing was when they, they asked me, um, how was this debt, which was like an equity release for inheritance tax um, purposes, um, how was it going to be repaid? And, and the answer was, well, it'll, it'll be repaid when the owner of the property dies. Um, and it may have to be renewed for that reason. Um, and I, I had a complete mind blank. Um, I just hadn't thought of it. I, I, I knew it 10 minutes after I left the room, but, but I had a complete mind blank and it was excruciating. And I think to be thrown into those situations and made to deal with them and not have someone to cover your backside um, is really valuable to do at, a, at an early age. You learn you've got to prepare or you're going to look stupid. Well, I think it's a very important point as well for development is understanding, first of all, getting the responsibility like an all-round, you know, A to B, C, D, all, all across the way of a loan, you're taking responsibility of the whole lot, where on in bigger institutions you might be just in part of A and B and not C yeah. to B. It seems to me that Calfing is like, it's your loan, be accountable for it and know everything about it, which yeah. is, can develop you quickly. And there's a and there's a, a, a real downside if you, if you if you don't do that um, yeah, we don't get it approved. That's exactly right. Yeah, and you've got to phone the the, 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 the borrower or the broker and tell them. And I think that the um, but the interesting I think thing throughout that period is I didn't and I don't and I never have felt any sense of entitlement. I've always felt fortunate to be in the position I was in and. It's one of the characteristics we look for now when we when we hire people, which is to say, look, have an appreciation of, of how, how lucky you are to be in the position you're in and to have the job you've got and to have the responsibility you've got. I always appreciated it. Um, but again, I, I only stayed two years because, again, I felt like um, I wanted to, to, to travel. I wanted to... It was when the... I think it was when The Beach came out, you know, the film. Well, we all went to go on that beach. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and, I, and I watched it and I thought, oh, I've got to do that. I've got to do that. <laughs> and I've been working for so long. I've been working for four years. Um, you know, I've, 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 I've got to have a rest now. Um, what year was this? <laughs> they didn't this, run in the recession, did you? No, no. So this, this was in 2003. And obviously, oh, okay. I, had, I had it in my head that I had had a really long career up until that point and needed, need, needed a break. So, um, so I went off to Australia initially traveling and, and met, a, um, met a guy just generally networking who happened to be head of sales for a company called Scottish Pacific. 
who was a fa- which was a factoring company um, in Australia, and 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 it, it, it sort of happens like this over there. He 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 sort of liked what he saw and. Um, and offered me a job as a salesman um, selling factoring up in the east coast of New South Wales. And, <laughs> and I think that, that the, 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 the two years that followed were probably two years that I draw on now more than any because what, you, what I was doing was, 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 was I was a salesman in an Australian culture. And um, we know what the Australians are like um, on, on the rugby pitch and on the cricket pitch, and they were exactly like that. Full of banter. Full of banter, absolutely brutal banter, <laughs> and, um, and hugely competitive. And, yeah, and you're English. And I, and, I, and, I, and I was English, yeah. And, it, and, it was, it was, um, and, and I was also quite a, I was quite a well-spoken, gentle English as well. Or, or so, British? Yeah, or, maybe, yeah. Or maybe I got that wrong. Exactly. And it was really tough. But I think being in that hard sales environment, um, and they used to say, the more you tell, the more you'll sell. You've just got to, you know, we're in a situation where you're not getting the deals and you've just got to work harder. Um, it's really as simple as that. You've got to stay late. You've got to work harder. You've got to fight more. You've got to want it more. And before that, I thought that was just nonsense, you know. But but, it, but it's not. And it and it's one that I, I I've learned from is that you can work your way out of difficult times. You can work your way out of of, of quiet times. Um, it really is down to you. Yeah, if you want to, if you've got that drive. Yeah, yeah, and Absolutely. don't don't fold. Yeah. So a couple of years in Australia, and uh, why do you come back? I came back because you're drawn to home and it's very difficult to express this, but I, I was very conscious of the, that, that things had happened, things had passed me by. And I guess if I'm honest, I also felt like, um, I felt like I'd gone from London um, and over to Australia. And if I was to ever really look back on my career with the sort of pride I wanted to look back on it with, I wanted to have succeeded in London because London was harder. Um, and I think even some Australians would, 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 would admit that. Um, they would say, if you're well-connected in Sydney and you're part of the, the, the group there, you can do really, really well. Um, but London is, 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 is possibly the greatest city in the world. And if you can make it in London, um, then you really are... Is, is London tougher than the Australian banter? I think it was. I think Lon- the thing is with the Australians is they're fundamentally lovely people, and it's, <laughs> it reminds me of an experience where I was um, when before I got the job with Scottish Pacific, I was temping for a couple of months um, in in quite a big investment bank, and I put up with a lot of um, banter jokes about me from a particular guy who, who sat in the same um, pool of desks as, as me. And um, I thought to myself, I don't know how to deal with this. Um, so I waited till um, everyone was there. And then I told him that, um, he, you know, every time he walked out of the room, I said, everyone says to me, don't worry about what, 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 what Matt says because, you know, he's an idiot. And, I, and I, I, I thought, I'm doing the right thing. I'm standing up for myself. And um, he sort of wandered out looking a bit dejected. And the other guy said to me, hey, that was out of order, mate. I said, well, what do you mean? It's out of order. I said, I'm sticking up for myself. And they said, yeah, yeah, but he's, he's just joking, right? I mean, what you said is true. <laughs> and, and then I thought, obviously, obviously I, I think I'm, I'm immersed in his culture. I'm obviously not because this banter is an art form. Yes. You, you've, got, you've got to say something about somebody that, that is really hurtful but isn't actually true. Yeah, it's, well, it is an art form, as you said. It is an art form, and I thought I'm probably I'm probably never going to get my head around this. Well, you don't want to say about the Australians; they don't like it back at them. Do well, they? there's probably an element of that as well. They're probably thinking we don't we don't like this. We're going to pick a side. Um, but it was it was an amazing um, it was an amazing couple of years. But 
I was conscious that we were missing things. We were going to miss more things. Um, family is really important. And, um, and, when, um, and when I came back, I was lucky enough that, that Singer and Friedlander um, took me back. Um, now, shortly after that, they became Kalpathing Singer and Friedlander when, when Kalpathing bought them. Um, but 2004 had happened. I was coming back into a much more regulated mortgage market company had grown um we were now doing aircraft yachts art finance um it was it, it was a, it was a you know that era from you know sort of late 2005 to 2008 um as you you golden you, it was it was a wonderful wonderful time um and <laughs> i did many deals with bank of scotland as well in that time <laughs> <laughs> yeah i imagine you did yeah and um and and it and it was amazing, and it was amazing in some ways as as we look back on it now, and we say it was it was it was a credit boom, right? Um, and um, we did we did we did huge deals, we did really interesting deals. We were we were bringing teams on board, we were, were you, bringing out new products. Were you doing um, you know all of the kind of lending you just said, or were you into the commercial side then, or development? No, were what you, we what we needed were and what we had were experts. So there would be we had brought in a team from Ansbacker to do yacht finance, um, people that you all know really, really well. Mr. Griggs? Mr. Griggs, yeah, he, he, he came in, a um, lovely, lovely guy, and um, a team from Hitachi um, who were doing aircraft finance. And um, these, you know, the technical knowledge these guys had were, were, was, was immense. But what, what I was involved in um, really was Ian had brought me back, A, to, a, to do a job, and I think also because, um, if I can speak well of myself, the, the, what I'd always tried to do, and I think one of the reasons he'd backed me was was to be reliable and be loyal and to show integrity. And and you'd look and you say, well, is it really loyal to to be always is staying somewhere two years and leaving? Um, I think that's all right. I think that's that's a young person managing their career. I think you're exactly right there. I was just about to say, young people, experience is more is key. And I think if you if you come from a grad scheme, and there's no real harm to this, but People stay with the company for a long time or within the same. It doesn't have to be company to company. But if you don't broaden your experiences, you're not going to develop as a person and find out where you really want to go to or yeah, what you and, really and, want to do. And start being able to bring something to the party. And I think that was what was so important, was, was coming back from Australia to say, right, well, I've now been in a really hard sales environment. I think that was the first time I ever brought anything to, to anything to say oh, at least I know a little bit about something and and you start building up your career and the technical you know experience of dealing with people like Ken and and and, and the aircraft guys and you're absolutely right you actually start building a, a portfolio of skills that you can you can take on into your career but what I what I what, what I had was was a sense of integrity a sense of reliability I never play games um, I don't get involved in politics and I'll be loyal to somebody who's been good to me um, now Ian's career um, you know, when we just continued continued going up, um, but even if it hadn't, I would have been loyal to him because because it was the right thing to do, and um, and and I think and I hope he knew that, and for that reason, I think you'll always be useful. People will forgive a lot um, if if you're loyal and if you have integrity, and it's something that we've. I think now in Altus, when we come onto that, it's it's a huge part of our our, our, our DNA. Is it's about loyalty, it's about integrity, reliability, and doing what you say you're going to do. Yeah, well, I completely agree. And um, so moving on then to, you know, you, you're with Kelping now, Singer Freelander. You've left there. 
And did you start up Autos straight away? Because I think you started Autos in 2013. Well, there was a, that's right. There, there was a big event in between, which was the collapse of, uh, of Count Think Singer and Friedlander. Yeah, we can't forget about that one. Yeah, <laughs> um, which, which had happened in OA. And, and I think that that, um, without wanting to dwell on that too much for obvious reasons, um, it, was, it was my first seat at the top table. Um, and it was interesting how obviously the day it collapsed was awful and i remember feeling actually quite when i was told by by ian as it happens that that, that the bank had gone bust and that inevitably we would all lose our jobs i remember feeling quite lightheaded and and it and it, it it taught me two things is one um was when i phoned my wife and there were a lot of phone calls to wives going on that day and a lot of different responses and my wife's response was the sun will come up tomorrow and what it taught me was something about her stoicness and her strength and the fact that she would wouldn't and and obviously has since um massively supported me even when things are really really bad what did the other wives say there i think there are, <laughs> I, think, I think there are a few conversations and a couple made the the press actually i think one of the one of the guys wives um put, put a put a put a put something in one of the papers about how how stressful it was when you're doing your kitchen and something like this happens um, but but it was it was different people reacting I think in, in different ways and there are a lot of ashen faces and obviously it was easy for me I didn't have kids it was much easier for us than it was for other people. How did people you know uh, it's, I've never been in that situation but what was it like put you know let's try and paint the picture here right you're in this room banks just going going bust or gone bust you know yeah. something comes out you know it, it's. Is a fear in there? Is a thinking? Right? Do I get and pick up my bags and go out? You know what? What happened? You know, I when think you got told people. There were a lot of people, and I never. I'm not saying it's wrong, but I never understood how you can do this. A lot of people went out down to the um, slug and lettuce, um, <laughs> um, and um, they they got they, they 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 had beers and they they it was what it was, and and I couldn't do that because I didn't want to see anyone. I wanted to go home. And I think it depends on, on on who you are and how you're at to these things. And I think it it wasn't the loss of the job so much; it was the collapse of the industry that you. Look, and this is something I think when in this pandemic that I, I can I can sympathise with. And we don't need to. We all know the industries that we're talking about is. You know, people can say, "Oh, don't worry, you'll get another job." Well, we didn't know that at the time. The, the banking industry had completely collapsed. Yeah, and it, was, it wasn't one bank; it was a whole industry. It was a whole and industry linking it to COVID now. But yeah. we're all in it together. It's the it's the it's the whole world. That's exactly right. <laughs> it's and not the industry; it's the whole world now. So ex- exactly, yeah. <laughs> and, and and but but well, interestingly, I, I got home and I got an email from Ian saying. Um, Get yourself in for seven thirty or whatever tomorrow morning. Um, let's see what we can make of, of this. And um, and I've still got the email because, of course, that, that that was his experience coming through to say, right, actually, someone's going to have to wind this thing up. Well, it's a and, big point. You can't just walk out and leave the customers there. No, and and there were there was there was two and a half billion pounds of loans that needed to be managed and collected in, um, and these were committed loans. And now. I think we we got in early the next day, and I'm not saying getting in early made that made the difference, but I think that Ian's ability to grasp what had happened and what the implications were did make a difference because they were going to need to pick someone to lead this wind down, and what they wanted was somebody realistic and somebody who knew the score. And probably not just walking out of slug and lettuce. And yeah, probably not walking out of slug and lettuce, but and and, and a proper banker, um, somebody who 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 had done recoveries before and and who, who knew what they were doing. And and I and I was fortunate enough to be one of his his key people. And I was it was my first seat at the top table of any you know of of, of a transaction of a business, and I was 
was involved in the initial negotiations in terms of, I wasn't leading them by any means, but I was there while they took place. And um, in terms of our packages and what we were going to get if we did a good job of this wind down, and and what was negotiated was 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 life changing amounts of money that we would we would earn if we were successful in winding up this business and if we saw it through to the end. And um, for me, it was it was an absolute game changer because obviously from being um, from being very worried, I was suddenly hugely motivated. And it was it was partly the money. Obviously, it'd be silly to to say otherwise. But it was also the simplicity of the aim. And and again, that's something that that, that I've I've taken out of that, which is to say every. Every company has a simple aim, and you've got to try and convey that aim um, to, to, to your colleagues. Um, and, and we had a number on the wall. How much money have we got back? And, and what percentage is that of what we were expecting to get back? Because that's going to drive everything. Yeah. And, and for the next five years, it was just really, really hard work, building uh, up technical knowledge and, and, and getting the loans back. But I think an absolute key time in, in your career, because you know we've spoken about stages, okay, grad scheme and learning a bit there probably more cutting your teeth in Australia yeah. in a harsh uh, sales environment, coming back to working in the bank um, and, and then now looking at um, a wind-up or a recovery situation. Yeah. And uh, if you're going, you know, when you, which you have done now, created your own lender, uh, Autis, having that experience from uh, A, B, C all the way through uh, 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 the, the process is so important. And understanding it's um, very easy sometimes to get money out the door but how it's managed and how it's recovered is a different skill set completely and i also think the 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 consequences of what lending can do to people and what recoveries can do to people it's not just the lender that suffers and i know that inevitably on this wind down we didn't get every strategy right um, there were certain strategies where we were overly aggressive. There were some strategies where we were perhaps too trusting. And and over the over that that, that what turned out to be five years, um, you, 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 yes, you have the the technical experience. You spend time in courtrooms. Um, you, you you spend time trying to find people. Um, you're trying to navigate yourself around regulations. Try to navigate around bad documentation. Um, and I'd say that that along with the, with the sales experience is is one of the reasons we've we we, we we've built Autos like we have because it's. It's not a victimless crime. Back, bad lending is not a victimless crime. If you do a bad loan and you get your money back, there are consequences to your counterparty. Um, and and I think that the it's, it's trying to build trying to build a business where you're doing you know good, attractive, sensible loans that are structured in a way that no one will get hurt. Now you're not successful all the time, but you try and be successful most of the time. Yeah, just um, with regards to your. Uh, wind-up position in Calvin Singh and Freelander, it actually created opportunity on my side of the business. Did it? Because, yeah, because I saw... you were refinancing I was everything. refinancing really? many of those loans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the, the hardest problem I had was uh, trying to reset a client's expectations of what a realistic loan-to-value was and the asset they had and, uh, and the borrowing percentage. And I remember uh, looking at some super yachts for very high-profile people. Uh, where they were lent at uh, low margins and high loan to value yeah. and trying to reset their expectations uh, was not easy in, in that market. But uh, yeah, where there was uh, on one side, what you were doing was creating opportunity on my side. Uh, yeah, so. and, and I think that that's, um, and of course, then you've, you, you, you built a business that then has been a huge supporter of us. So <laughs> it's, it's, gone, it's gone in a, in a full circle almost. Yeah, um, well, I think, which we'll come on to in a minute, in business, a lot of relationships, uh, which you've alluded to already, are key. Yeah. Uh, and uh, culture of uh, your businesses and who you want to work with, I think, doesn't just reflect internally, it reflects on your client base and therefore yeah. who they're borrowing from. Yes. 
Um, so let's go into Autosem. So, you know, uh, you, you've done your job at Calthing, recovered a, quite a bit of cash, yeah. um, and you get an opportunity, or how did it come around about Autos? What, what was the vision? Did you, was it your idea? Was it Richard? How did you meet Richard? What well, was he? we met through a mutual friend of ours, Arnold Valson, who at the time was, at the beginning, was chairman of Autos. And Richard and Armin had, had been working together while I had been doing the, the wind down. And um, they had been working in, in corporate advisory, um, and, and I think they'd seen a, a bit of a gap in the the funding for leisure businesses, and they'd spotted that. Um, now, I, I was brought in as a lender. Um, Richard and Armin are, are, are just about everything that, that they they weren't specialist lenders, and and I was brought in to do that. And we were so it, we, effectively, it was a startup. It was the um, a small group of us seeing a gap in the market and saying how can we build up a how can we build up a lending business to, to, to fill this gap and what was that you know a startup this is what really excites me within businesses especially with yourself where you've come out of a corporate yeah. you know, decade or you know 15 years as well um, and suddenly you've got your name on a door uh, yeah, and it's changing it's, how, how did that psychology uh, psychologically affect or change your it's mindset it's taken me years um, to to change, I think, from um, f- from an employee mentality to um, to, to, to to being um, responsible only, being accountable to myself. It's 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 it takes a long time and it's really really difficult. And I know that I would often fall back in the early stages into that in, into that sort of employee mentality. And 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 it's 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 difficult, but it's massively rewarding. And I mean, we were we you know Richard and I. Were, was sitting in a in a, a loft in Mayfair. Um, just... Oh, you're lucky. I was sat in the basement. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. But it was it was it, you know low ceilings. You know, lo- lovely environment, but but really exciting. And 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 Andrew, you'll 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 remember this. You're caught up in the um, in the realities of that day and the challenges of that day. Every single day matters. The, the certainties are that you're still paying rent. You're still paying the phone bill. Um, if you bring in a couple of people to help, um, you know, PAs and, and, and you're still paying them. Those are the certainties. The only thing that's not certain is, is what's coming in. And you've got to make the phone ring. And, and that's your, your, your day-to-day aim. And that's what you think about when you come in. And that's what you think about, you know, until, until you go to sleep at night. So um, I don't, I remember it being a bit of a blur, really, in terms of getting the emails out, phoning people, cold calling brokers, um, trying to get that phone to ring. And then when you do get a sniff, trying to trying to turn it into something where you can earn some revenue. Um, we well, learned but- the hard way. We, we, were practic- we, were, we were getting a call from a broker saying, oh, I might have a pub deal for you. Um, here's the details. And we were practically underwriting the whole thing. <laughs> and then, of course, we just never hear anything. Yeah. Where's he gone? I think well, a big thing with that is people can come out of an employed role uh, and start their business because you know they they want to give it a go, whatever. But they automatically come in and they've got X in the bank account, be it their own money or an investor. And the th- first thing they want to do is employ someone, yes. or they want to spend something on marketing. Yeah, they always concentrate on what they can spend rather than think, Christ, I've got to get money in to pay these bills. So you know the the psychology, um, and and I've seen it time and time again where businesses fail is because they come in with that attitude and they don't protect the outgoings because in a, in a big corporate situation it's there for you and they don't appreciate uh, uh, what that's about. Uh, yeah. So you know I, I think the biggest shift on starting that business is 
how do you get that phone ring? You know, yeah. How do you get people to want to, do, to call John or Richard to do a loan? Yeah, I um, think that the, the way we, we made phone calls and we, I suppose you draw on the experience you've had, I'd been in a hard sales environment. Um, I wasn't and, and, and still am a fan of the mail merge. <laughs> um, get a message out to people phone them, go for a drink with them, um, turn up at things, be friendly, have a can-do attitude. And most importantly, when you get that first opportunity, don't screw it up. Um, it's, e- it's easier said than done, isn't it? It is. It's much easier said than done. And I'm not saying that we, we succeeded all the time, but one thing we never did was fail to fund where we said we would fund. And I think that was massive because that's the unforgivable offence in, in our industry is a lender saying that they have money and then that turning out not to be true and in it, what what we had was a a series of um you know very loyal um investors that were happy to come in on deals the big change for me and the thing that that i found quite scary is i, I obviously having having come off the wind down and and done quite well i wasn't necessarily in a position where i needed to take this risk um but i did and putting my own money into deals which, which we really had to do, quite, quite understandably from the investor's point of view. They're saying, this is your business. You're telling me this is a good deal. You put your money where your mouth is. It, it wasn't something that, that I was accustomed to doing. And, and if someone had asked me um, a, a few years before when I was lending for the bank, do you treat this money as your own? I would have answered yes. And that would have been an honest answer because I did. But it's different when it's your own money. Um, and, and, and I think there are a lot of great lenders out there working for banks who, who genuinely do treat the money as their own um but it feels very different um you know you can be at a bank where it's going to have major consequences for you if you do a bad loan it'll affect your bonus so you are financially motivated um it's going to affect your career strategy it's going to be difficult but but you're not going to have to go home and explain to your family that was just about to be my next question yeah. did you go home to your wife and say uh, hi, darling. I've just lent a million pounds of our money this morning, I think, um, <laughs> or two hundred and whatever the amount. Yeah, they pay. it wasn't a million, that's for sure. But, but the um, ten pounds. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but but I think um, I'm I'm lucky that Samantha, my wife, is 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 entrepreneur herself. She's 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 into that. Um, she, she she'll say, you know, no 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 risk, no reward. Um, and I was fortunate like that. And. She, she's not she's not scared of giving it a go so I, I was I was lucky I was very lucky in that respect and and, and I think her attitude as well is you're not going to be happy in a big company and I, I don't know whether you whether you share this for you Andrew but I think then it, it that back then before some of the, the challenger banks really started to grow it did feel a bit like that was the choice you yeah. either you either went into a great big bank weren't really that much fun at the time or you or, or you did something in a much much smaller business that what there wasn't that challenger market but that's that's an interesting point there uh, is what we've been through in the last decade 12 years you know from okay you were finishing out the um Calfing singer freelander book but within the last decade what we've seen is a huge shift in the, in, in the lending market you know when i set up arkenco it wasn't because i knew that shift was going to happen it just happened around me, and yeah. therefore we're in the right place at the right time to grow, to grow with it. And uh, I, I think you know the, a huge benefit as what's happened within the last decade is the shift of lending and lending types, yeah. uh, uh, and the attraction of different uh, in, investors into you know, businesses like yourself, lend, you know, institutional investors, etc. And it's created a more interesting market, uh, yeah. more of a 
a level playing field, uh, you know, where there's different options than the main high street banks. And I, I think it's actually stimulated the market and uh, the, the people which are using your funds uh, have been educated into these different uses of funds and they've grown their businesses. So I think the real change in the funding structures in the last decade is one benefit to businesses like myself yeah but also the economy i think has done extremely well from it because a lot of other people businesses have grown exponentially yeah. because of because of the funding out there yeah um but just going back to uh, there's a couple of points uh, i, I want to go on is um one is a support you know of your wife it seems you mentioned it a couple of times so um uh, it's obviously a very uh, big thing for yourself. Uh, but at the same time, you know, I can relate to that yeah. uh, uh, because, you know, without those kind of support, and when you, I started Arkenco in 2008, which was crazy, really, but yeah. <laughs> at 28 years old, I always thought I was going to win. I didn't think <laughs> anything else could happen. Uh, but knowing that they've got your back and that support, I think probably pushes you out of bed in the morning. Yeah, I think that... I know that some of the stories that you and I have talked about over the years, some of the things you did, um, you know, you, I'm sure you won't mind me saying when you you were, <laughs> you, you, you you would you would think right, well, actually, we're at the point where I'm I'm not even sure that we can cover the the, the rent for the for the desks, you know, and and I think that it's always I've always admired people who have the guts to to to, to stand back up again and 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 deal with that. But I suppose when you look back on when you've done, so to a certain extent, did I do a little bit of that when when the crash happened? Um, maybe, but you don't you don't actually look you don't really look back, and you do in times like this when you're having a conversation like this, and, and you look back and you say, "Wow, um, there were some difficult times and we got through them." But you're always playing the balls. The, the balls are still being bowled at you every single day, yeah. and that and that is the the thing that dominates your time. I think what family support gives you is is it covers your back um you know it's still going to fundamentally be all right yeah 100 percent. and you know i know the story you're talking about yeah, yeah. <laughs> what an experience and i think you know i think people that work with me in that time may or may not know the story but yeah. uh I, I think in 2008 9 10 you know it wasn't just arkenco my business so the industry as we spoke about before was hugely affected um, and cash flow was the issue. You know, yeah. I was 28 years old. I burnt through close to half a million pounds in 18 months and setting right. up a business, uh, and ended up in a park bench in Berkeley Square, uh, wondering, <laughs> wondering how you I could sleep on it. No. <laughs> no, no. I didn't come out the slug and lettuce the night <laughs> yeah. before. It was more I wasn't allowed in the office because I hadn't paid the rent, yeah. uh, and I had to phone up the employees and tell them there had been a power cut. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant, isn't it? That's brilliant. That's thinking on your feet. No, but the uh, I think look. We were allowed back in after a couple of hours. Yeah. Um, what did I do? I got a huge support from my partner, uh, Edward Horn-Smith here. Yeah. Um, I had huge support uh, from my family. Yeah. <laughs> I got a bit of a tea again there, John. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe we'll have the tea. Yeah. <laughs> sort it out. Put a bit of whiskey in there. But the, the, the main point, I think, was um, it's how you react yeah, it uh, yeah. to it. And it's, I could have gone home packed up. Uh, and not come back, but it was the fight and the desire to make things happen. Yeah, uh, and that for me, um, you know, just brought us through. I think from that point, it was there was no turning back. It was we're, we're at this lowest point now. Uh, we're we're not turning back. We're going forward, and nothing's yeah. going to stop us. No. Uh, you know, uh, you, you know, you can come through the worst the worst times. You knew you'd done that. 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think I think it's it's the I think it's the day to day though that, that that dominates your thinking, isn't it? And, it? and I think time goes very very quickly. I don't know whether you felt that, but when you look back on those those early years of the business, you think they just they absolutely flew past. But I think what's quite important is I walk through Barclay Square every day and I look at that bench. <laughs> <laughs> and, just... and I think if I could ever uh, put a plaque on it or tear it up, I will do. You should. You should, you should write the story on it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, you certainly create memories. Uh, right, let's let's move forward onto waters yeah. rather than uh, Arthur Go and Andrew Robinson. Please rate and subscribe so you can keep up with the latest episodes as they come out.